Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join me on the show again today. As we continue our overview of prop tech or property technology, I'm joined on the show today by Dan Hughes, who is director and uh, sorry, director of data and information products and prop tech lead uh, to RICS or the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors. And uh, as part of his role within our ICS was recently voted as the number one influencer in PropTech. So it'll be very interesting to hear what he has to say, I think. Okay, so let's get on with the show and let's listen in to my conversation with Dan Hughes coming right up. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Hi, everybody. I'm, I'm really pleased to say that I'm joined on the podcast today by, by Dan Hughes, who's the um, PropTech lead at RICS, or RICS. And uh, first of all, welcome, Dan. Welcome to the Property Voice podcast. How are you doing? Good afternoon. I'm very well, thanks very much. Thank you for having me. No, no, no. It's great. It's a pleasure. And um, I've been, I'm really excited about this whole series because um, it's an area of, um, you know, the, the, the property industry, generally speaking, and I, I come really from residential property industry background, um, doesn't really get into this kind of discussion too much. So I'm very excited to kind of bring this out to to our audience. And I'm very excited to have you on the show and joining me as well, Dan. So thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, it, it'd be really kind of helpful if you wouldn't mind just giving us a, a quick overview of, of, of who you are really and, and where you sit and uh, just so people know um, and can relate to, to where you're coming from as we get into the conversation. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. So, so my background is um, I've, I've spent most of my career working somewhere between data and technology, and I've worked across the, um, the full built environment, really, so residential, commercial, um, the construction side of things. And uh, I've spent a lot of time working in the space. I've been at RICS for just over three years now. Um, and my day job there is looking after our data and information products. And um, about uh, three or four years ago, we did a report called the Futures Report, which, uh, which was a fantastic report looking at what's going to be happening long term to the property sector on a global basis. And it came up with an awful lot of the things that, that you'd expect it to, but it was, it was good to have it down in writing. Um, so urbanization and housing problems and um, attracting talent into the sector. And one of the main things that came out of it was also that technology is going to change everything. What it didn't do was really go into too much detail about what happens in the short to medium term, what's actually going to happen and what do we do about it. So my background for the last few years is to, um, has been working with RSS to look at uh, what's our role within the environment, how is it likely to change things, what do we do about it as an organisation, and as much as we influence the market, how do we help uh, the professionals in the industry and how do we maintain the standards. So that's really where I've been coming from um, in the last couple of years. And I think that it's, it's really interesting that uh, PropTech is uh, effectively it's just a buzzword that doesn't have too much meaning behind it, other than the fact that property and technology are starting to come together more and more. 
And whilst it doesn't have too much meaning behind it, it is a really useful hook to show some of the changes that are going on. So I think uh, prop tech represents some of the changes that are happening about either how we do our jobs uh, from a property investment point of view, for example, or how we build buildings or how we use them, what we look for if we're going to be living in it. Fantastic. That's a really good summary. And I'm glad you said what you did there, because probably what I'd like to get from you, if, if possible, would be the short to medium term perspective, but also the longer term one. So um, it sounds, sounds like you're well placed, perhaps, to, uh, to share some of that. Um, I, I guess you, you kind of summarize PropTech as the coming together of property and, and technology. Um, and, and we had a chat, didn't we, a preamble before we, we started recording that, you know, it embraces quite a wide array, array of different, you know, subtopics or subsectors, I suppose. Have you got, you know, is there, a, is there a quick and dirty way you can describe it or is that just a ridiculous way of putting things? I mean, I've, just to put it, just to maybe um, preempt that answer. Uh, I've just written an article for YPN magazine. I, I'm a columnist for Your Property Network. And I've just written a, an article for YPN magazine. Um, and, and I had, you know, 10 subtopics which I felt were most relevant to, um, you know, property investors, residential particularly. So, you know, maybe I'm not asking you to second guess my 10, but would you say there's a, there's, a, there's a group of subtopics and could you even summarize them? Is that possible or is there a smaller, smaller subset? I think, uh, yeah, Simon, it's a great question. I think it's, it's, um, it's, it's tricky to, to characterize some of these things into boxes sometimes. I think, I think what you could say is that technology can do two things. One is it can help us to do what we've always done. The, the very basic buying, selling, renting, um, occupying of a, a property, commercial or residential, hasn't dramatically changed for a long time and probably isn't going to dramatically change for a while. So a lot of technology can help us to just improve what we do. Yeah. So, for example, instead of necessarily going to a site to visit it, you would go on to um, one of the, the well-known websites and have a look at it beforehand. It doesn't stop you going to site to look at something, but it, what it does mean is that instead of going to look at five, you will look at perhaps two because you can discount them. And I think that's an example of just a, a very simple tool where technology is starting to make people's jobs easier, more efficient or more effective. What it's also doing, though, is, is a bigger shift, which is probably more than medium term, even though it started now, which is that technology is allowing us to use properties in slightly different ways. So a really good example of that would be um, uh, from a work point of view, you go into the office at nine o'clock and you leave at five o'clock and that was kind of your working day. Obviously, now people are in for much longer, but they're also doing homework whilst they're at work. But then some people work from home and you're commuting. And so it's not really about technology, it's what technology enables you to do. And so it's making a blur between assets. So, for example, people will look for slightly different things when they're in a, in a house now because they need to work from home and they have access to technology and everything else. So for me, PropTech is, isn't so much about the technology. It's about how technology is changing what we do and, what it's going, and how it's going to change what we do in the future. Yeah, I totally agree. It, it is. And I think... You know, what, what do you think um, are some of the things that we could expect? Well, no, let's start that slightly differently. Are there things here and now that people could utilize that perhaps maybe people aren't even so aware of? There's not a high adoption rate or a take-up rate. Are there things already that people can do just to improve their lives, uh, make it easier for them, and, and maybe use their properties in a slightly different way? In yeah, words, I think so. I think, I think there are possibly two different angles to that so so the first one would be for example if you if you're um, working in the property sector generally so so let's say property investments um 
there is an awful lot of information out there that you can use to give you better insight into the decisions that you're making. Now, some of the time that will help you to make better decisions and some of the time that will help you to, um, to just speed up getting to those decisions so it helps with the efficiency side of things. So if you look at some of the data that's available, even if you just look in the UK at the open data that's becoming available through, um, through the various different registers from the government, there's an awful lot of information out there, there's an awful lot of technology companies who are using that to provide it into a very simple to, to use format so you can understand um, more and more about the property. A very good example would be um, some of the companies like Rightmove or Zoopla, who now when you're doing search are providing data on where the schools are and transport links and um, internet broadband connection. Um, and there are lots of other companies who can provide that sort of information. From how you use your property itself, I, I um, as a, a fully signed up uh, lover of tech, then <laughs> there's obviously a lot of stuff around the smart homes that you can use to try and improve things. Um, my personal view is, is a lot of that is fantastic. I've got quite a lot myself. There's no question that there are sometimes people put technology in for the sake of technology. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm much keener to try and look at what are the outcomes that you're looking for rather than the technology that's available and then apply it. So another example of that could be something like artificial intelligence. Now, for me, artificial intelligence is something that's going to have have a huge impact to, I mean, not just the property industry, to, to everything, but it's going to really enable an awful lot of stuff to happen that hasn't been possible in the past. But actually to take artificial intelligence as a topic and apply it to the property sector might not be the best way of looking at it. It'd be much better to start saying, um, I have a portfolio of 100 residential properties. How can technology help me to do what I need to do better in that? So that's about um, where, do you, um, where do you buy and sell properties? How do you uh, manage the overall portfolio? How do you understand the risk? How do you understand opportunities based on the environment? And so you can take thousands and thousands of data sets that are available to, make, to help you make those decisions. The problem is it's just not very practical to go and source all of that information and to make some sort of sense out of it because there's just so much data. According to IBM, 90% uh, of all the world's data has been created in the last two years. Yeah. Now, a lot of that is photos and images and other things, but it gives a, a flavor of quite how much data there is out there. And I think that in the past, one of the problems was where do you find good quality data? We've almost now got to the stage where there's so much data, we don't really know what to do with it. And so something like artificial intelligence can start being used behind the scenes to start providing um, some sort of sense out of that. And I think that's really where a lot of the buzzwords are. So for example, um, artificial intelligence or machine learning or big data is all about trying to make some sort of sense out of the sheer volume of data that's out there at the moment. Now, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that everyone becomes a coder and starts um, writing algorithms, but it's about engaging with the companies who are doing that, who are an expert, experts in that. Um, and so I suppose in terms of what can you do today, I would say at least go and explore which companies are out there, the companies who are starting to use this technology to try and make sense of data to then go and um, help, help property investors or, or, or owners or developers or construction or whatever it might be. Yeah, I mean, I've, I was looking at this um, and you know, I agree with you with some of the trends here in terms of big data, smart homes, artificial intelligence, for example. And, and uh, you know, if we take artificial intelligence, what, what I've sort of observed is it's more about what we're presented with rather than what we can go and implement ourselves, if that makes sense. So if you think of a, a, you know, a more advanced industry sector, which is the online retail community, for example, 
you know, if you've got uh, Amazon, if you go onto Amazon, you get recommendations, you know, which are presented to you when you buy something. And it's based on your recent purchase and your, and your whole history. And so there's algorithms behind all that, which are kind of then presenting you with relevant data to, you know, to you when you're actually in on the site and, and ready to make a purchase. And perhaps you're making an additional purchase. Of course, that's good for Amazon because you buy something else. It's also good for you, perhaps, because you may you maybe be served with information which is is useful. And you think, oh, I, bought, I wanted to buy this book, but actually that book is also helpful. I'll buy both. Um, do you see, and that's how I was wondering, in the property sector, is there an equivalent of that kind of thing with artificial intelligence, you know, here and now? Um, I was wondering, for example, with, with things like Rightmove and Zoopla, whether there are, you know, relevant property links and things like that or, insurance services or uh, you know other things are they are they tending to use that kind of technology now or is that you know on the you know in the near-term future yeah oh, well I think the answer is, is is sort of a bit of both <laughs> yeah um, so the answer is that definitely people are starting to use uh, some of this technology to understand all the data and reduce it so you mentioned for example insurance so companies are looking at how do you use data to reduce the risk of a, 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 a property decision that someone's making? And then that feeds into uh, insurance policies. You can look at things like automated valuation models that are taking account of uh, machine learning and, uh, and some form of artificial intelligence. Um, you can look at uh, websites that are presenting you with details of, of properties. If you're looking at them, they're, they're using things to try and help you understand who you're trying to find. Um, here's an estate agent for advertising. So, so yes, I think it is being used. Artificial intelligence is definitely a word that's being overused um, at the moment in the property sector. So a lot of the time it's something that's just being tagged along to something which isn't really full artificial intelligence. Um, one of the things that I'm asked a lot, and I'll sort of come back to that point in a second, is, is about the future of people. So there are an awful lot of reports all the time in the press about um, about the impact technology is going to have on, on people and jobs. Robots taking our jobs, you mean? A split from, <laughs> exactly. So there's a split from, the, from one extreme to the other, which is we're all out of jobs in the next couple of weeks, all the way through to it's not going to have any impact at all. Uh, and of course, the answer will be somewhere in between. But I think one of the big things that technology is doing is if you look at, um, if, if you look at most people's professional jobs uh, in the property sector, uh, talking about a, a, a surveyor or an investor, they will do some form of data collection. They'll, they'll work out some, some information. They'll then do some analysis on it. They'll then put it into some sort of decision-making format, and then they'll use their own human judgment and make a decision on it. Mm -hmm. And whilst that's an incredibly crude model, if you try and go through that process, most of that's done by one person at the moment. And the data collection could example be that you take photographs or you go around with a tape measure. You do the analysis on a pen and paper or, or in your head. You make some sort of um, floor plan as, as to present it and then you make a decision. Each of those four stages are very, very different. And at the moment, they're done by one person. I believe in the future, technology is going to do those ones differently. It's going to have a different impact. And so what's going to happen is you can start looking at data collection is something that technology is really, really good at. Data analysis is something that technology is really, really good at. Human interaction and ethics and judgment and decision making is something that technology is not as good at. And so whilst you could argue artificial intelligence will catch up with all of this in several years, that's certainly going to be um, a lot further down the line. So for me, what's going to happen is that um, 
there are going to be specialist companies who do some of this data collection. There are going to be specialist companies who do the data analysis and extract it out. And then there are going to be people who make the decisions and the judgments on top. What's likely to happen is that as they get more complicated, there will be companies out there who are doing the data collection who are specializing in it. So no longer will you be able to do the entire value stack. So if, for example, you are a surveyor or you're a property valuer or you're uh, an investor, then what's likely to happen is that the real value you add is your experience and the human interaction and the advisory bit. So I'm incredibly positive and enthusiastic about the role of people in the future. And the data collection bit, which is probably the bit that most people don't like quite as much as some of the other bits, mm -hmm. is going to be replaced by technology. So again, I, I think um, the artificial intelligence bit will be in the data analysis layer. It's going to have a very big impact because it will bring out huge amounts of insight that's just not been possible before. But it's probably more likely to be used by companies offering a service yeah. to those people who are then making the property decisions and the advice and, and so on. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of how I see things. So we take about you know automated valuation, for example, that you mentioned. You know, um, I'm sure you're probably aware of others, but you know I've used both the home track and the mouse price one, and um, and, and it's a valuable service to me because uh, I otherwise you know I, I as an investor I go on to the, my my way of doing it is I go on to Rightmove or Zoopla, which basically is extracted data from land registry, and I look for local comparable sales within you know certain radius and a certain time period, which are on a like for like basis, and you know I'm doing that work manually and it does take time. And of course, it's prone to error, and it might be not, not might not be accurate, etc. Because I can spend twenty quid, and I can get a report from Mouse Price or, or Home Track, and um, and have that data presented right to me there and then, and, and then I can do exactly what you said, which is perhaps make a decision. So that that is probably an example of what's here and now, isn't it? That those sorts of reporting systems are there, and um, twenty pounds is not that much to pay. I mean obviously if you did it on every property you viewed it might be a bit much, but certainly ones that you were seriously looking to uh, invest in, um, it, it's 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 a small amount to pay and it saves an awful amount of time. And that's kind of where I'm going really, you know, from an investor point of view. Yeah. Um, it saves time, which means saving money, uh, becoming more productive, make becoming more profitable. Um, are you aware of I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that, so I mean, there, there are a lot of companies as well who will who will do. Um, so there are a lot of companies out there who are doing reporting tools, for example. So um, just the way you go around citing. I mean, if you want to go and do a survey of a building, um, a, not necessarily a formal survey, but just go and have a look around it. Then you've now got technology that allows you to take the photos on site in, in your in your phone. Obviously, you've got technology which allows you to fill out reports and send it straight back to the office. Whilst you're in the building, you've got um, technology all over the place, which is a very, very basic level of using technology. Um, and it's very much used as a tool to help what we've done before. And it wouldn't normally be included, frankly, in a prop tech conversation, but it kind of is because it's about how we're changing how we do our jobs. And it's been happening for many years through the use of technology. And as you say, it's about um, speeding things up, being more productive, doing more with less time. Um, and, and all of that is 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 positive i think yeah I, I think it is positive and i think some of it's you know it's happening in, in trickles but it's, there's lots of trickles if you follow so um you know it, it look at home look at home automation now, smart homes and uh, i actually 15 years ago around about plus or minus 15 years ago i actually had an on a small online business where i was selling um home automation kits and um one of the things I noted at the time was this: the, the, the word is convergence, 
there wasn't a lot of convergence. There wasn't a lot of, you know, video talks to audio talks to, you know, door opening systems, etc. It was, everything was proprietary. And, you know, it was really difficult to get things linked up and working together and in a very useful way, unless you had a degree in, you know, computer science or something. Uh, and I certainly don't. Yep. Um, but, you know, now, for example, I think some of the big changes I've seen, certainly, are the, the entrance of, of Google and Amazon, for example. And, um, and, and, you know, you just talk to a device and it turns the lights on, um, uh, that kind of thing. So that, have you, you know, you've seen that? Is, is that a big step change that's happened recently? Because 15 years ago, that was a problem. And even five years ago, probably was a problem. But today, that seems to be quite, you know, common now. Well, I say common. It's available, but it's not common. Yeah, I think I, uh, I completely agree. I think the whole, um, if you look at the whole smart home thing, then technology can undoubtedly be used to to help um, to run a house better to live in. Uh, I think that you're absolutely right. But a couple of years ago, uh, it was an absolute nightmare to put some of this stuff together because it was all proprietary, and so you'd need several different apps. So you'd need um, sellotape to stick it all together and. <laughs> It was very difficult. And I think that's really changed in the last couple of years. And exactly as you've just said, that you've got companies out there um, all over the place who are now working in a much more connected way. And a part of that, I think, is change of attitudes, realizing that actually having several different systems doesn't work. And part of that is to, um, to just the, the, the culture and the technology being a bit more open. I think in terms of what that does for your house, there are some great use cases. So you've got some things like um, having temperature sensors mean that you can control the heating much better, which means that you don't have to have it on as much. It can control it, which then reduces, it, obviously it's a better climate for people to live in, but then it reduces um, energy costs. Uh, you look at some of the lights that you can have on where they come on and off at different times, so you use less energy and provides more convenience. Um, I think there are some technologies out there which at the moment are probably sometimes searching for a problem a little bit and they're quite nice and gimmicky they're quite fun to have um, my view is something like Alexa is a really interesting uh, the Amazon Alexa and, and the others like the Google Home are, are available um, but actually it's, it's been very interesting for me because I, I tend to try and embrace technology as much as I can so we had it in the house and, and I got very excited about asking for you can ask it jokes and all sorts of things. But actually, um, my family have started using it as well. So it's, it's no longer just um, a, a novelty. It's actually becoming quite a useful tool that we use in the house. Um, and it's, it's very interesting to see, especially with, with children, um, how they're being brought up in an environment where it is quite normal just to talk to the house and ask for it to do something. And so actually, um, I think that's going to gradually um, get more and more traction that the way that you interact with things is just going to change over time. I think so. I think that you make a good point about, you know, just experiential learning almost. You know, you have to try by doing or learn by doing to some extent. And so your kids are just obviously observing what you're doing. And for them, it's just doesn't you know, second nature, isn't it? So they're going to grow up understanding that they just talk to devices and then it does something or presents something to them. Whereas, you know, perhaps, a, I don't know, I don't know your age, Dan, but my age, you know, it's a bit different to that. You don't have to kind of, you're yeah. sometimes afraid of the technology. Yeah, it's absolutely, and and you know, with 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 reason. Sometimes I think um, I think in terms of something like talking to the house, it does take a while. And 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 I'm personally someone who embraces it quite quickly, but still still see it as a bit of a novelty because in the big scheme of my life, then 
it's, it's only a small part that I would find it normal to talk to a house and for it to understand me and to turn the lights on and to change the heating and to put the music on and it can tell me about my commute to work. And, and, and it's now becoming normal, but it does take a long time. As you mm-hmm. say, the, um, my, my, my daughter, who's, um, who's six a couple of years ago, came in complaining that the television had broken because the swiping had stopped working. Um, and I did work out that um, that's where all the fingerprints were coming from. But actually, there's a natural inclination that every other device in the house swipes, whether it be a phone or a mobile device or a tablet. Um, and so it was just expected that everything should swipe. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really good example of just um, how you can just get expected. You just get um, acclimatized almost to uh, the technology that's out there over time. And so different generations find it a little bit harder or easier but not necessarily because of the actual generation but just the fact that they've not spent so much time looking at it yeah a bit of a big up here for for maplin you know the the retail store and other retail stores exist but i I went into maplin recently and i was just i literally had to buy a cable or something it was very simple and i had a bit of time i was going to go to on a trip and the guy the guy serving me said is anything else you'd like to know while you're here and i thought to myself because you know, I knew this this series was coming up. I said, well, can you tell, talk me through your home automation? <laughs> and he literally took me over to the section of the store and he walked me right through everything. And um, I was fascinated by that. And it literally I spent about 15 minutes just listening to him talking about, you know, all the different devices, all the different technologies, how it can be linked together, et cetera, and what he's done in his home and what's good and what's not so good. So that's just one practical tip that people could do. Just go into a store that has these things and talk to one of the knowledgeable assistants and they'll, they'll guide you through it. Um, but it was what he made me aware, this this chap in, uh, in Maplins, he made me aware of all the sort of interconnectivity and just some practical examples because we're talking about, you know, our audience is property investors. So a lot, lots of property investors will have tenants in their property. And so the idea of maybe giving them an Amazon, you know, Alexa or something, it, it, it doesn't resonate so well because they think, well, that's their property. No, it's up to them as the tenant, what they do in their property. Um but certainly helping to make their home energy efficient is going to help, um, you know, retain tenants because tenants are going to start to be looking for this themselves um, in, in homes that they rent. But equally, there's niches within the property sector, which is extreme. This is extremely relevant. I'm thinking, for example, HMOs and short term lettings. So, you know, I saw some technology yeah, where yeah, absolutely. I can you can actually be remote from the property, uh, have video on the door. When the doorbell rings, a video opens up. You can see it on your smartphone and you can actually buzz to open the door and let them in. And I thought, wow, yeah. that's pretty cool. I don't need to be there, but I yeah, can still see them, security, etc. So uh, I, I said a lot there, but I think it's a case of if we want to get into it, perhaps just wander down to your local Maplins or, you know, wherever another store that sells these things and just ask these people because, it's, it can be overwhelming, but these people are, are doing it day in, day out. So have you got any other practical, practical tips like that, you know, that people could adopt? Well, I think, I think that's, a, that's a really good tip, just going to look into any of these shops and have a look around. I, I think a lot of the technology, the price of the technology has plummeted um, in, in the last few years. So a couple of years ago, to have a, a smart home really did cost an absolute fortune. Um, that's not necessarily the case now and you can build it up in very small parts so it's so actually engaging with it whether that be talking or buying stuff and experimenting I, I would absolutely encourage i think it's it's a great way of learning and testing things the other thing i'd say is, is from a slightly different angle is all of these devices um need some form of connectivity so um if you're looking at properties whilst it might be the tenants 
choice and responsibility to go and get some of these smart devices. Houses or, or properties will need to be in a well-connected space. So things like broadband and mobile phone reception become more and more important to the property decisions. Mm. And I think that as we go through, I would say that whatever happens with smart homes in the future, whatever technology itself is actually used, and whether it's this particular device or that particular device, generally speaking, more and more people are going to be um, downloading uh, films or streaming films. They're going to be using more and more smart technology around the house. And so the volume of data that's going to be needed through broadband or, or mobile networks is going to increase. So whilst you might not be able to predict the perfect house of the future, what you can say is that the properties of the future are likely to have, be well connected. Um, and that's the sort of thing that I think you can start thinking about now, make some relatively secure predictions about. So if you're going to be buying and selling houses, then you want to be looking for the ones where you've got that opportunity. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, of course, you've got this, and I, I wanted to, as you as you work for RICS, uh, RICS, I wanted to get into sort of uh, contech, you know, construction technology a little bit. But um, the, you've got this difference between new build and existing stock. Um, uh, but you make a really good point. I, it kind of hadn't dawned on me. It kind of did in the back of my mind, but you just brought it to the front about having good broadband connection and indeed 3G mobile, you know, 3 or 4G, you know, mobile connection. Uh, becoming increasingly more relevant and so people are looking for these uh, this ability and it's in other words it's going to make um, tenants look for properties and therefore pay a premium or, or or leave one empty where this sort of technology either exists or doesn't exist so that's a really good point but drifting into uh, absolutely and, and the other thing sorry just the other thing on that as well is there's more and more data available to help the tenants or the investors to understand what, what that connectivity is because if you Years ago, it's quite difficult to actually find out what it is until you're sitting there and you find out that your, you know, your photo's taking weeks to, to load up. Now there's actually a lot of technology, um, a lot of data out there that's allowing people to work out what that answer is. So you could have two very different, um, very similar properties, one with no connectivity at all, one with perfect connectivity, and then you, you, you can start working out that most tenants are going to be choosing one over the other. Yeah, and especially certain tenant groups um, it's, you know, the millennials, for example, are going to be much more, you know, tech savvy. So uh, they're going to be looking for this sort of uh, technology to be present in their in their rental properties. So, yep, it's a, it's a good good tip for us. So drifting it a little bit into the um, future of, of building materials and this sort of yep. thing, I guess cabling and that kind of thing is going to be relevant. But what else do you see coming down the, you know, down the tracks, uh, Dan? So I think... Um I think uh, manufacturing has had, um, uh, so for many years you have uh, factories that um, produce things and, and cars are often the one that are picked on, um, but actually most things uh, are produced in a factory and that's a very controlled environment. And the problem with property is that each property is on site and therefore each one is slightly different and it's not in such a controlled environment. The ground isn't stable, the weather conditions, whatever it might be. And I think one of the big things that's happened over the last couple of years is that technology and the processes that have been used for many years in factories can now be used out on site. Um, now, it's only the starting point um, and it's relatively early days, <clears throat> but I think technology is going to be used more and more in, in building properties and houses in particular. Uh, for two reasons, either, either in a factory, people are going to be using it more and more for off-site uh, production or actually on site itself technology can be used more because it's getting much better with sensors so it knows where it is therefore um, level 
ground doesn't make such a difference and the cost of it is coming down. So I think there are lots of reasons where there's going to be um, a, a real increase in the use of technology for, for building properties. And I think that's going to be on the whole real positive because there's still the ability to make them look different. It's not all going to look the same. Prefab is something that doesn't necessarily have a great brand as it were, but actually you can make some great properties um, in very different styles within a pretty prefab type way. Um, and I think that's something that's going to happen more and more. As a sector, as a, as a country, obviously housing is uh, something that's in the news a lot. And I think anything that's going to help us to build nice, high-performing, good quality properties as quickly as possible uh, is going to be a good thing. Yeah, and I think um, you know uh, alternative building methods and indeed alternative building materials, which you know I've kind of read a, a, is coming downstream, as suppose here already. There's a couple of key stakeholder groups which are going to make a big difference to to the uh, to this being adopted. I think one of which you you represent. Uh, so it's you know surveyors. So you know if you if you were to build a property using you know the latest or a variation of an of a new uh, of an old building material, say bale or straw or something like that. You know, are you going to get the valuer, the surveyor, saying, "Yeah, that's fine. It's you know, it's a it's a suitable lending risk or security risk for a lender to that's the other stakeholder, by the way, um, to to lend money against." You know, so in other words, what are the changes within within RICS or RICS, which um, are supporting these trends? Are they are they moving with it? Yeah, sure. So we've been looking at the, the whole prop tech space um, for the last couple of years, and I think that the activity that we've been focusing on falls into uh, four broad areas. So the first thing we've been looking at is just making sure that our offering and what we do is up to date and is aware of technology. So, for example, um, our conferences or our journals, uh, the products that we do, the competencies that our members uh, sign up to, that they're all technology aware and we've been introducing new competencies and making sure that technology is part of all of that. So clearly not trying to shoehorn it in unnecessarily, but where it does have an impact to make sure it's, it's in there. The second area is that we've been, um, we've been looking to do thought leadership and thought leadership is, is a widely used term, but actually trying to get thought leaders from across the industry to come together and debate some of these issues so we can then put it out there for people to see. Um, and one of the things I would absolutely encourage um, all of you listeners to do is we have a dedicated uh, technology website on the RICS page um, which really pulls together all of this different insight of which there's an awful lot about uh, the impact of technology is going to have on, on all properties and, and residentials included in that. The third thing that we've been doing is trying to make sure that we really engage with technology companies. The property sector is very good at talking to different parts of the property sector but we haven't always been as good at, at uh, engaging with technology companies. So we've been start um, we've we've been engaging with startups. We have a partnership with a company called Metaprop based in America. Um, we've also started up a technology affiliate program, which is a group of uh, companies, technology companies that are working towards RSS standards. And it's really about building a community committed to those standards who can work together to understand how how the whole industry works together better. So that's the technology affiliate program. We've got around 50, 50 people signed up to that at the moment. And then the final part that we're looking at is around um, standards. So how do we make sure that our standards are aware of technology and how do we make sure that they're fit for the future? So at the moment, we're going through a process of uh, uh, two things, really. One is making sure that when we write new standards, they understand the implications from a, from a technology point of view. And secondly, we make sure that they're available in a 
technology-friendly format. Now that is um, for, for all sorts of people to use, but in particular for the technology companies to make sure those standards can be um, put into uh, the solutions that they're building. Thank so you. That's really where we're focused. Yeah, thank you. That was a good summary. Um, so, in other words, I, I guess the point I'm making is if um, if there's sort of um, the modular building techniques or alternative building materials that are going into a property, are uh, you know, uh, uh, is the valuer who turns up to put a valuation against it on behalf of a lender going to sign it off? <laughs> Sounds like you're doing a lot to sort of um, you know in, make sure that it is um, you know by engaging. Well, I, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I can give the answer about whether something would be signed off or not, because ultimately that's that's obviously for the for the uh, the valuer to do. But what we are doing is making sure that firstly, all of these different new techniques and technologies are are um, higher profile and people are aware of them. Mm. And then the second thing is making sure that the process that you have to go through, the standards we set. So, for example, the Red Book, if you're talking about valuations, mm -hmm. is aware of the technology, and we're going through an engagement process of making sure that if anything needs to change then we can change that and we educate and we do the guidance notes to support that. So we are very conscious that the market itself is, is changing. So I'm not sure I can give you a specific yeah. answer about those specific um, points, but we are definitely working with, with uh, valuers to make sure that, uh, that we, are, we are doing the best thing for the customer in the most professional way. Uh, and that includes taking account of technology, whether that's the impact of technology or the way that we use it. Yeah, and I think that, that brings to mind another thing really. Technology advances at its pace, which is pretty fast. And then the sort of the regulators uh, or the people who have to, you know, literally sign off and put their name against it um, have to catch up with that. And that's, that's just the nature of, of technology advancement, isn't it? That you know, technology advances and then regulation or, the, you know, the professional industries behind it have to play catch up. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is that there will be a little bit of a time lag, perhaps, between new technology breakthrough and it becoming, you know, accepted and mainstream and, and, and you know, conventional. So I think you, you kind of summarize that, if I've, if I've detected that correctly. But maybe what I wanted to do in, in the sort of remaining time that we've got together, Dan, is actually maybe to lift the lid a little bit and ask you, um, from a visionary point of view, where, you know, blue sky thinking, where do you think it's going, all of this uh, prop tech? What do, what do you think our future lives and, you know, in, in property will look like? It's really an, an opportunity for you to just take us on a journey now. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so in some ways, I think actually we've been on this journey for quite a long time. I think if you just go back, you know, 10 years ago was when the uh, tablet, the iPad um, was launched. And before that, um, we, we didn't have them. So if you look at just over 10 years, a number of different companies have been launched that are now established, a number of different technologies that we would expect to use in everyday life. So I think we've been on this journey. And, and as you quite, quite rightly point out, the one thing that is changing is that the change is getting faster and faster. And I think that that's the big difference that's happened rather than we're about to start a journey or we've only just started it. And I think that that trend that we've already seen is likely to continue. So I think we're going to see more data. And I think that data is going to create more problems and opportunities for decision making, which technology is going to make. I think that the way that we use properties is going to blur and change. So in the past, we've had very clear asset classes where you've got residential here and you've got commercial here, commercial split into office and retail and, and, and logistics. And I think that is already starting to blur. And I think that that blurring is going to continue over time. And I think that the, the, the most important thing, I think, is that 
people's jobs are absolutely going to change. There's no question that some of the things that we do today um, are not going to be done by people in the future. But I think that the, the future is really bright for people in working in the property sector um, because there's going to be more and more need for some of those skills that technology isn't so good at. So for me, the future is very, very bright for people who engage with technology, use technology to do the bits that it's really good at, and then focus on enhancing those skills and adding more value, whether that would be more time to make the decisions or better client service or, or whatever it might be. So for me, um, I think this is a journey that we started a long time ago and is going to be getting faster and faster. I think the way that we use properties um, is likely to blur and change. And I think that um, the way that we do things in the future is going to change from a job point of view. Specifically, the focus is going to be on the human interaction, the human advice, the ethical elements of things going forward. Yeah, um, I think I'm just quickly trying to look up a, a book I read recently, um, which had a, a quotation of, they call it the, uh, well, it's, the book is The Second Machine Age, just found it. Um, and there was a, a, a quotation in there, it talks about the second half of the chessboard. And, then if, and it's really all about exponential growth. And, um, yeah, it's the right, uh, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So what you've said is 10 years is already, you know, we've already been at this for 10 years. And so when I quoted my 15 years ago uh, home automation story, it was before the iPad and before, I, you know, Apple kind of broke through. Uh, now we've seen quite a lot of change, but maybe we're in the second half of the chessboard soon. I, in other words, we're going to get even faster rate of growth. So you ain't seen nothing yet, I suppose, is the big takeaway. <laughs> Well, I think that's absolutely true. Um, I think we haven't seen anything yet, but I don't think that's necessarily a scary thing as long as we engage and embrace with it. Yeah. So actually, the, the, the rice on the chessboard is a really good example of, of a demonstration of quite how fast things can, can accelerate. But actually, in some ways, that is, that is the, 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 um, the rice is almost the data that's underneath thing. That's the, the thing that's going fast. Yeah. So in that, um, in that story, the problem is that you can't, find enough space for the amount of rice that's out there and it's just a great way of example of, of exponential growth but there's also technology to help us deal with that so all of these other technologies like artificial intelligence and machine learning help us deal with that volume and to make sense of it so for me the the real message here is if we're going to continue with the rice analogy which is a great one is, is actually let's not worry about the fact that there's going to be so much rice we don't know what to do with it Let's accept there's going to be so much rice, and then let's use other technologies to, to use the rice as best as we can. Well, I think that probably does have a pretty good parallel to technology. So for me, I think there's a real need for people to understand broadly what's happening and to engage with technology to use it, but not necessarily something to be particularly scared of. I think that's a really good way of summarizing it, really, is, you know, be, be, look into it, learn about it, engage with it, but don't be afraid of it. Um, you know, it's, it's coming anyway, so you may as well embrace it. So, um, Absolutely. yeah, it's good. Absolutely. I, I, I kind of want to draw to a close in a minute, but I wondered if there's anything that perhaps we haven't spoken about that you think we should have done. Is there anything that you want to, you want to say insofar as prop tech before we perhaps do a bit of uh, how to reach you and that kind of thing? No, I think I think um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of debate about technology. I, I'm obviously very enthusiastic about it. I think that um, there's going to be a lot of change over the next two, five, ten years because of technology. Uh, I think that on the whole, it's going to be really positive. So for me, I would absolutely just echo your last point there, which is I would really encourage people to find out about what's out there, test it. Um, a few years ago, you would buy one big IT system and then you'd be stuck with it for several years. 
that just isn't possible now and it's not the approach that people should take so um there's no point dipping it uh, there's no point putting everything into to one basket dip your toe in and try things but if it doesn't work you can get out at a pretty low cost most of the time uh, if not no cost so i would just encourage people to really get engaged and to try it from an rcs point of view then uh, we have a technology web page where there's an awful lot of different research reports that we've done about how technology is going to change different aspects of, of the property market and the residential property market. And I'd like to think that's a pretty good place to start to, uh, to help engage with things. Fantastic. We're going to put some pointers there. But I have to say, I've been infected by your enthusiasm and your passion for the subject. Um, so thank you very much for, for being passionate as you right, are. Well. I know you've been struggling with a bit of a cold, so you actually disguise that pretty well, actually, over the, over the course of the interview. <laughs> so thanks for that. But um, just tell us a little bit about okay. potentially how other people who might be as equally infected by your enthusiasm as I am, how could they connect with you and, and, and you know, what, what, should they, what should they say to you when they do? What, what sort of areas of interest are going to be appealing? Well, it's, so, so I, I guess from my point of view, actually, the best way of getting hold of me is probably through uh, LinkedIn or Twitter. I'm, I'm far too active on Twitter, but it's a great place to, to find out about what things are going on and engage with some of the other people in the space. So, um, so that's probably the best way of getting hold of me. From my point of view, I'm really interested in, um, so I'm actually going to be leaving RSS in, a, in a, a few weeks' time, so towards the end of January. And I'm really keen to help people um, with their business problems and understanding how the property sector is going to change. Technology is it is really important, and I, I'm a passionate believer in that. But actually, technology is very rarely the point. Technology is just something that is helping people to come to a, a business outcome or a property outcome. So I'm very interested to talk to people about um, how technology is going to change property rather than the technology itself, because that's a sort of secondary thought. Perfect summary. Thank you. I'll make sure there's links in our show notes to, to your various uh, links on Twitter and LinkedIn. You can say them if you wish, but um, I'll, I'll make sure they're in the show notes. In fact, if you do say them, it'll be easier because not everybody will read the show notes. So perhaps if you could just read out your Twitter handle at least. Yeah, absolutely. So it's at Property Dan H. At Property Dan H. On Twitter. Yeah. Okay. So I found you on Twitter and you are, you know, explosive. So um, I'm sure people can find you there and um, should, they can look you up on LinkedIn as well. But I'll also put the links in the show notes. But I just want to conclude and say thanks so much for coming on, um, taking us on this journey, if you like. Obviously, we, we already started the journey. You quite rightly brought me back there. We've been on the journey for quite some time. Uh, but it's nothing to be afraid of and we should embrace it. And we should, you know, seek out. Uh, the big takeaway for me, what you said is, is look for how technology can be used. Look for the outcomes, not just for the technology themselves. And I think that that's a really good point. So, so Dan, I think we'll draw a line there. Thanks so much for joining me. Hope, hopefully, it's been, hopefully, it's been, uh, hopefully it's been good for you. And I'll let you get back and uh, get on the cold medication. Yeah. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. So that was another illuminating conversation with an industry heavyweight, as I'm sure you'll agree. Apart from having a sneak preview potentially for, uh, for new advances in swipe TVs or swipe televisions, let's quickly pick up the key themes from our discussion right now. First of all, the RICS PropTech page. Uh, Dan signposted us to pay a visit to this dedicated page on the RICS website, which collates all of their prop tech information and resources, including a link to the RICS futures report and content that he mentioned in the show. The links are in the show notes in case you want them as well. Secondly, prop tech can help us. 
in what we already do by making it more efficient and by enabling us to use our property assets in different ways. So for example, artificial intelligence or AI can help to collate and sift through boundless data for us to make better decisions. And advances in technology can turn our bedroom into a super fast business hub. Third, technology is not to be feared. We will see change in any event, so let's embrace the change and discover what's available and how it can help us. Technology will change certain roles, that's for sure, dividing tasks between different people, different places, and also through machines. But there will be a place for judgment and decision-making from real people amongst all that as well. Four, it's all about connectivity. Devices talking to one another and built on top of super-fast broadband connections and wide coverage mobile phone services. So it's best to keep an eye on the speeds and coverage in your property's uh, local area then, I think. Fifth, there will be advances in how buildings are both built and operated. Off-site manufacturing that reduces on-site construction times and smart devices that take the guesswork out of uncertain site conditions being just two that Dan mentioned. And on, uh, oh, sorry, mentioned on the build side and uh, lower cost automation systems and smart devices helping to conserve energy within our properties on the operation side. And here are some of the trends that Dan um, you know, shared as, as we discussed. I've just uh, got some headlines here to uh, perhaps draw a bit of a conclusion and a wrap up. Technology prices are plummeting. So trialing new technology, I can't say it now. So trialing new technology is less risky now. Data is growing at the fastest pace ever. Artificial intelligence can help us to capture and present that data, but making sense of it all will create opportunities both for people and also for businesses. Connectivity is increasingly important for a productive and enjoyable modern life. The way we use buildings will start to blur, perhaps with work, home and leisure merging more and more. People's jobs will change, which technology can assist with. RICS and other regulators or standards assessors are often playing catch up to the technological advances running ahead, but they are alert to and contributing to what is happening to help shorten the gap as Dan um, explained really by their, um, their work if you like in the industry. And I guess, you know, finally, Dan's rally call, which is worth repeating, is to seek out the change and embrace it. He's very positive about the impacts of PropTech onto our lives and within our industry. And I found him infectious in his enthusiasm for the subject, I have to say. So if you want to get in touch with Dan, then the easiest ways are either Twitter, he's, he's prolific on Twitter, at PropertyDanH is his uh, Twitter, Twitter handle, or through his LinkedIn profile, which uh, there's a link to in the show notes for both of those, actually. Or if you like, just drop me a note and I'll, uh, I'll affect an introduction directly into, into Dan for you. But as usual, the show notes can be found over at the propertyvoice.net, or if you want to talk about anything from today's show, receive an intro into one of my guests, or just talk property investing generally, you can email me, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and I'd be delighted to hear from you. But for now, all I want to say is thank you very much for listening once again this week, and until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. 
Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.